Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy every year about this time. Our host for today's episode is Nathan Oblack. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast for cultural reformation. I'm Nathan Oblack, and I'm again joined by Ryan Aris and Dr. Joe Boot, and we're excited to be back here in the Knox Cellar for a new year of podcasts. Our topic for today's discussion is the concept of dominion. This is a topic that's frequently misunderstood and misrepresented, and we hope to clear up some of the confusion today and demonstrate that the concept of dominion is inescapable. And to get us started with the conversation, I'd like to share a brief clip uh, from a recent podcast uh, with Dr. Stan Fowler and Pastor Bob McGregor. Now, these are two thoughtful, sincere Christian leaders who, in this conversation, demonstrate some of the misunderstandings that we've been hearing so often and we hope to clarify today. Should the church think that the inauguration of the kingdom of God means that our mandate, apart from winning the loss, that our mandate is actually to transform culture, to bring every institution and aspect of culture under the control, not just influence, of the gospel. And you know the term used to describe this thinking, it's dominion theology. And so for the sake of our listeners who might not Uh, have a theological background. Uh, Can we just talk a little bit about that doctrinal trend and uh, how the church needs to think about its relationship to the culture? Sure. It's often called dominion theology. It's also sometimes called theonomy, which is just a a compound. It's it's a compound word from Greek words. All, All the good words are Greek in origin. So theos for God, nomos for law. God's law uh, ruling everything. Sometimes uh, you'll hear the term reconstructionism, um, which which is not not probably not the most favored term now, but it it embodies the idea that um, all of life is to be brought under the rule God's kingly rule, brought brought under the rule of God's law. And and so the term sphere sovereignty is often a part of this. That goes back to Abraham Kuyper in the mm-hmm. Netherlands, late 19th, early 20th century, who was a theologian and prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea is that, that God rules the different spheres, uh, the state, the church, the family, education, business, and and they are distinct spheres with their with their own responsibility and authority, but all of them are in some way to be brought under the rule of God's law. And typically, uh, the term theonomy or, or law is used because it's it's linked back to God's law revealed through Moses. Now. Nobody, nobody in in the the orbit of dominion theology would say every detail right. of the Mosaic law mm-hmm. is still binding upon us. So they're Christians, so they they would say we don't bring the the animal sacrifices right. anymore because that has found fulfillment in in the death of Christ. Yeah. Um, 
generally they would say the dietary restrictions are not binding in a timeless transcultural way. Although I've had some conversations yeah. with some of my friends who who basically want to say, yeah, if you took them more seriously, though, you might You'd want to live stay longer. away from shellfish yeah. and pork. Um, but but they wouldn't push it so far as to say it's really a binding law. But mm-hmm. they would argue that that in some way the church's proclamation of the truth is designed to bring the sphere of the wider culture, including the, the sphere of the state, under the rule of God's law. Okay, in so- other words, call rulers to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ in their rule. Okay, so that's different than what we would all agree is the church is salt and light. We have influence. We preach the gospel. Right. There is, a, you know, kind of a moral influence, uh, less strip joints, less alcoholism, so on and so forth. But we're not talking about that, are we? No, we're, just, we're not just talking about that sort of influence. We're talking about... Well, to use the terminology of one of my friends who teaches this, uh, making the the church confessionally Christian, and he would making the church. No, no I mean, I'm the, sorry. I mean the state. The state. I hope the church is right. confessionally <laughs> Christian. Wonder. Making the state confessionally Christian. So, Joe, after listening to some of that conversation, how would you address the way that uh, the whole concept of dominion has been set up there? Yeah, so uh, uh, there's a there's a mixture of things in there. Um, they're hovering around some things that are um, accurate, but there's also um, a fair bit of um, muddling and uh, uh, equivocation with terms. And I think it is really important that actually, if you're going to have this conversation, um, that the significance and the meaning of terms and the different schools of thought are accurately articulated and described. So uh, we'll come back in just a moment to what scripturally we understand by the idea of dominion mm-hmm. um, as as the Bible understands it and speaks about it. But I just want to pick up where they sort of start with this whole idea or this whole um, notion of dominion theology. Unfortunately, a lot of these terms um, are now used in very much a pejorative sense. It's a bit like being, uh, if you're a covenantal, being told that you're a replacement theologian um, uh, and uh, instead of covenantal. Um, and some of these terms as well, they're, they're about as useful as being called an evangelical you know, or charismatic. It's like you need to define the terms clearly, otherwise you... Um, uh, end up with just a whole sea of confusion. I mean, there are all kinds of dominion movements um, and uh, uh, restorationist movements, for example, within Pentecostalism that talk about dominion theology that means something entirely different from what you've just heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, there are you know, certain groups within the United States that would have a very strong sort of American exceptionalism sort of idea uh, uh, to to tie along, tied in with their concept of dominion. So um, 
let me just so so why don't we start with some some clear qualification first of all i don't like the term dominionism i don't like any ism mm-hmm. dominionism reconstructionism because whenever there's an ism present it generally means that there's an overemphasis on mm-hmm. something happening something's being lifted out and over exaggerated um but i think uh, that sometimes these terms are picked up because you know they helpfully pigeonhole um people or or positions that are a lot more nuanced um so the um the the idea of of dominion and as i say we'll come for a, back to a broader of discussion a broader discussion of it really concerns the position of the lord jesus christ as the root of all humanity both in creation and redemption and then the way in which we as christians through our redemption are are associated with in the last Adam uh, or the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, are now associated with uh, that task. So, from a from a, a creational standpoint, uh, Christ is the root of creation. He's the creator of all things, and in Adam, we're given a mandate. We'll come back to that in Genesis one, and then of course we there is a restorative, there's a redemptive now character to the to our lives in Christ where we now uh, have been given a ministry in Christ of reconciliation. And so there is a, an authority that's been given to Christ that in him is now ours, uh, which we see in Matthew 28. So the basic idea of dominion is the, the, is the role that belongs to God, specifically in scripture in terms of the kingdom of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his people. That, that that's the essence of what we're talking about when we talk about uh, dominion. It's about the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means for us uh, as his people. So it, it is um, misleading to then start talking in the context of the biblical idea of dominion to then, to then use terms like theonomy mm. um, and sphere sovereignty as though you're talking about the same thing mm-hmm. as those as though the term dominion sphere sovereignty and uh theonomy mm-hmm. are synonymous because they're not synonymous terms so uh sphere sovereignty and, and maybe we can do a we'll do a very specific podcast on some of these terms perhaps to help people but sphere sovereignty ultimately concerns the in in reformational philosophy uh, the reformational philosophy of Hermann Doyverd, sphere sovereignty concerns actually the ontic structures. That is the the um, aspects of created reality uh, that we can identify within creation. Um, and he picks up the term of Abraham Kuyper, um, who used it also concerning social entities uh, like family, church, state, business. You heard some of those articulated um so that in the in the in the sphere of society the various aspects of society uh we can talk about these different spheres so there are so even there when you talk about sphere sovereignty we need to be careful to distinguish between the broader reformational philosophical view of sphere Mm -hmm. sovereignty Mm -hmm. and then what we mean when we start talking about um culture and society but there are plenty of neo-kyperians uh who would uh, who would have a, 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 a would take the a sphere sovereign view who would not have a theonomic approach to ethics 
So those, these are not synonymous terms. Now, it's true that, they, that you often find them, you frequently find them together. Mm-hmm. And there's a good reason for that, that you often find that uh, people who um, have a robust covenantal view uh, are often Kyperians who believe in the absolute sovereignty of Christ over all the spheres of life, who then frequently have a theonomic leanings in ethics and, and moral thought. So theonomy is a, is a, is a reformed, I was going to say the, it's a, <laughs> perhaps the, perhaps the, 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 the dominant, uh, if you look at Calvin and the Puritans, it was the, the, the dominant um, reform view in moral thought, but we need to distinguish between the, from a reformational standpoint, between the moral and the juridical aspects. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Dr. Fowler gets into the weeds there when he starts talking about abortion a little later in the the program and um, begins to conflate the moral requirements and, and what we might think about as moral thought, that the love commandment to love God and neighbor and how that may be applied personally in our moral lives, and then what the juridical responsibility of the state is. The state is a juridically qualified institution, uh, and so it, it, you're not dealing simply with an individual when you're talking about the responsibilities of the state. So I think their discussion, which granted is a brief discussion, um, but to begin with, starts with the problem of equivocation with terms, or at least mm-hmm. confusion of terms. Mm-hmm. So let's keep separate the, uh, the, the structural, um, and I think biblical teaching about sphere sovereignty, uh, the biblical doctrine of dominion, and um, the biblical notion of theonomy, which simply means God's law. And those things, though they may frequently come together, as they do in my own thought, um, they often don't all come together. And so we do need to start with, if, if we can't start the conversation with proper definitions, then it's only going to end in confusion. Mm-hmm. So uh, making sure that there's a clear understanding of those uh, differentiated ideas to begin with sets the conversation up properly. Mm. Well, and we certainly don't have time to give definitions of all of those different concepts that uh, were discussed and, like you said, conflated somewhat. Uh, why don't you, for our listeners, Joe, uh, hone in on the concept of dominion? What uh, what are we talking about? What is the Bible describing when uh, we hear about dominion? Sure. Well, uh, why don't we um, begin uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, at the very beginning, mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 1, um, where uh, very clearly, we could actually uh, do have a Bible here, just so that you know, listeners know that we actually have Bibles oh, that's convenient. Uh, open during our pro- podcast. Uh, in uh, Genesis um, chapter 1, which should be easy to find, you would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, taking a while. Yeah. <laughs> Genesis one twenty six, uh, we read uh, that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So if we just pause there a second and recognize that here we have uh, fundamentally a directional idea, not so much a structural idea. Man is not, God's not saying there that human beings are a finite replica, a sort of copy of God, because God is uncreated being and we are creatures. Um, 
but this is a directional idea. We're created to reflect God's uh, purpose uh, and will to the world. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's where we first encounter this basic idea. And then, of course, in Psalm 8, we have this remarkable, which I won't read, but listeners can go and look at it themselves, remarkable picture of the the celebration of this idea of the dominion. One of the reasons that's important, that it appears in Psalm 8, and of course, it uh, it's not just descriptive there, it's also prophetic, because it's looking forward also to the dominion man, the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, when uh, the when David is singing this amazing song, um, he says in verse 4, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. And he goes on, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, the reason that's important is, of course, this is now uh, in the reign of David. And some have sort of said, well, you know, Genesis 1 is Genesis 1, but uh, that, that cultural mandate's no longer in force. Well, King David clearly thought that it was. Hmm. And uh, there's a sense in which he's also looking ahead here to the true dominion man. Hmm. So the idea of what you see there in Genesis 1 is that the idea of dominion is intimately related to human identity and to our vocation. To, to the basic vocation of man. And this is something that the Reformed theologian Herman Bavinck observed uh, and noted that essentially what the Bible is talking about here is our cultural calling, that dominion has to do with man's role within creation. And that's what Psalm 8, of course, makes absolutely mm-hmm. clear. So this is a, this is a far-reaching idea that, that man... Uh, human beings, maybe I should add woe man as well now, Ryan, given what's, soon. What's, what's, <laughs> what's going on in the US Congress. Um, but uh, that man in the generic sense here uh, has this cultural calling um, to, to worship the living God and bear his image to creation by reflecting his will and purpose and to turn creation into a God-glorifying culture. So Herman Bavinck um in his um, The Origin, Essence, and Purpose of Man, he says this, Genesis 1.26 teaches us that God had a purpose in creating man in his image, namely that man should have dominion. If now we comprehend the force of this subduing or dominion under the term of culture, we can say that culture in its broadest sense is the purpose for which God created man after his image. And that's, a, I think, an axiomatic statement, really. I mean, mm. it comes to the heart of what Nathan <laughs> began with when he said, t- talked about the inescapable idea of dominion. It, it's inescapable. We're mm. saying it's inescapable because human beings, uh, as creatures made in God's image, given a role uh, within creation to uh, turn culture into a God-glorifying um, turn creation into a God-glorifying culture to mm-hmm. to shape and form, if you will, mm-hmm. in the historical process, that it's inescapable that human beings will have dominion. They will form culture. Yeah, we can't not do it. We can't not do that. Mm-hmm. You can't nobody can say, hey, 
that's really interesting stuff, that Dominion theology, but I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not into that. Uh to to say that you are not going to engage the culture is a cultural posture. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, I don't believe in Christian education. The government schools are good enough for me. That is uh, uh, that is to take a position on education. That's yeah. not to ha- have no position. Yeah. It is to take a position mm-hmm. in education. To say that the that uh, I don't believe in a Christian state is not to have no idea of the state. Mm. It is simply to have a Islamic or a Hindu or a secular or some other notion mm-hmm. of the orientation of the state. Mm-hmm. And so we might introduce here a familiar concept to some of our regular listeners which is the idea of structure and direction, um, because really this is what's going on throughout Scripture when we talk about the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The, the creational uh, structures, the creational norms that God established at creation, despite the fall, still hold. So perhaps an easy example to point to is marriage. Hmm. The Lord Jesus, when he taught on marriage, didn't say, well, isn't it interesting what's going on in the Greco-Roman world right now and how... Um, the Greeks think about the sexual relationship and marriage and divorce and look at how the Romans think about it. He says, no, it was not this way when he's quizzed about divorce. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And he that goes on to quote from Genesis 1 and 2. Um, So the Lord Jesus emphatically, for the norm for marriage, goes back to creation. So the Mm. structures of creation hold. Mm. But of course, there is a difference just read Ephesians 5, between the direction of a Christian marriage and the direction of a non-believer's mar- an unbeliever's marriage, I should say. There are no non-believers in the world, but there mm. are unbelievers. They, the, 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 the structure, the norm that God has for marriage holds, but we can either be obedient or disobedient to God's law and norms. And this is where the idea of um, nomos, you know, God's law, theonomos, uh, God's law, theonomy, that's all theonomy really means, God's law comes in. Um, in a more expansive sense, we would, we would talk in the reformational tradition of a law order. We would speak about uh, um, a cosmic law idea. We would say that that... that all of life is structured in terms of God's law, God's norms for creation, and we are either going to be obedient or disobedient, faithful or unfaithful, true worship or false false worship in every aspect then of created life. And that is what makes the concept of dominion of man as God's image bearer, either bearing the image faithfully or in a radically distorted sense. So it's either in obedience, in conformity to the image of his son. Remember, the gospel is about conforming us, Scripture says, to the image of his son, or us being conformed to some other image and therefore making an idol. Because to, to, to bear a false image is, to, is, is, is what the Bible calls idolatry. Mm. So there is no choice about you being engaged mm-hmm. in dominion mm. because there is no choice in a human being being, being or not being a cultural being. It's it's in, inherent to our nature to form culture and to have dominion. The only question that Scripture asks is, what's the direction of mm. your dominion making? In which way is that going to move? Is it going to be in the direction of obedience or is it the direction of disobedience? Will you form culture, marriage, family, law, 
the sciences, the state, et cetera, politics, and so on and so forth in terms of obedience, or will you form culture in terms of disobedience? This isn't actually rocket science. Uh, I think in um, my book, Gospel Culture, uh, which um, contains our sort of syllogism about mm. culture and worship, I've said that if culture is the public manifestation of the worship of a people, this is clear, of course, from Romans 1, Paul makes the distinction between true and false worship, worship of creator or creature, and then the cultural consequences. Um, if culture is the public manifestation of the worship of a people, so if our dominion-making manifests our worship and the gospel restores us to true worship, then it restores us to true culture, which in Bavink's term is it restores us to true dominion, mm. which the Bible has a term for. It calls it the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus says, teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the, the place in which God's kingdom is to come and his will to be done in our lives today, now, just as much as we need our sins forgiven now, our trespasses forgiven now, is that we need his kingdom coming now in, in all these facets of our being. So from, from our reformational standpoint and from the Kyperian standpoint, this is what dominion means. It, it, it first and foremost means our human identity uh, as God's image bearers. And of course, in Christ, that image is being restored. Uh, we are being restored. We're being conformed to the image of his son. And that means our dominion, our culture making and formation is going to be in obedience faithfully in every area of life as our understanding is opened up more and more to this reality. Mm -hmm. That's in essence what we, what we mean. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think uh, your example of marriage is a good and helpful one for our listeners because, I mean, it's pretty obvious if, if someone is to say, I don't have a position on marriage and what constitutes a proper marriage, well, that is a position on marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, this is, uh, this is somewhat related as well, just to, just to, to sort of get wheels down on this question. Uh, we actually got a, uh, got a note uh, emailed in from one of our listeners that I want to bring in that I think has, uh, has a direct bearing on what you're talking about, the inescapable concept of dominion. Uh, somebody writes that uh, they're, they're trying to uh, figure out, to struggle, how does the Christian faith practically affect our response to lockdown measures? Mm -hmm. you, we thought we could go an episode without getting into lockdown measures, but I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, they're at a, uh, they're at a church, a, a godly church with a, a pastor they respect, but uh, their, their church leadership at this point doesn't see the need to resist lockdown orders. And I guess the question is, uh, how, do, how does our understanding, if I can put uh, these terms on it, how does our understanding of dominion and of culture building mm. Uh, which is expressed in our Christian faith, how is that expressed in being a church member? Mm -hmm. In terms of how this church member responds or in, how, in terms of how the church responds generally? Yeah, I, it, uh, it wasn't clear from uh, what I read. I'm mm. sort of uh, spinning off from the, the original question to, uh, to get at uh, what sure. we're doing here. So... I think as we, um, and perhaps we've touched on this before, but as we think about the 
the question of image bearing and uh, culture formation uh and you know from a certainly from a kyperian standpoint again we could we could move back into the the, the idea here of um sphere sovereignty mm-hmm. and 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 talk about how we would understand jurisdiction and god's rule and our responsibility in these different spheres of life um but i think if we uh if we think about the life of the church and this whole question of um how we as god's people are to take dominion first of all it surely involves us responsibly and critically thinking through the issues for ourselves mm. and not just saying well you know um yes sir no sir three bags full sir the answer of the christian is submit 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 mm-hmm. um we for example know from in-depth conversations in person with mpps um in this government in ontario that elected officials are not running this province right now. Mm-hmm. There is over 400 uh, essentially progressive technocrats and bureaucrats mm-hmm. drawn from various uh, progressive institutions that we call the universities in Canada <laughs> in various different fields who are determining what our society right now should look like. That gets fed up to a board of about 20, a sort of COVID table uh, of 20 Mm-hmm. Um, unelected bureaucrats who then pass their advice to our premier, who then takes that advice to caucus. And caucus witter and, ch- and, and chatter a bit about it, but are told essentially that uh, people trust scientists and doctors more than they trust politicians, so we just need to do what they say. Uh, and... Um, just accepting that I don't think is the biblical conception of taking dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, taking dominion ultimately is about taking responsibility and forming our lives um, in obedience to God. And part of obedience to God, one of the basics of the cultural mandate is work. Work is a pre-political obligation and right that's been given to us by God. It's not mm-hmm. given to us permission of the state, nor is worship something that is given to us by permission of the state. It's a pre-political right that's given to us and then require, indeed required of us by God. So I think that this is, that the question of dominion does have a bearing on the sort of immediacy of this situation mm. um, because we need to think through what it means to be human, what it means to um, not just survive, but live. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking dominion means living forming and building not simply surviving and right now the the cultural mindset we're surrounded by is living is being defined as not dying right Mm -hmm. that is an insufficient definition biblically of living life the responsibilities that we have to our children to our parents to our grandparents the responsibilities to work and employment the responsibilities we have economically socially the broader responsibility we have to the poorest and most vulnerable, the responsibility we have to the elderly. Um, you know, I heard a tragic story this weekend that's not being covered properly in the news of an elderly woman so in despair at lockdown, she threw herself down the laundry chute. And uh, she was found dead, of course, um, uh, and the staff are now in counseling who found her. Now, these kinds of things bring to, bring to bear the question of what does it mean for us to um, have dominion. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's get a bit more specific. 
in terms of how the various reactions to what to to a virus are are going, they're all a different form of dominion. Mm-hmm. Right? Those who say lock the world up, lock everybody in their homes, mm-hmm. uh, shut the world down, put a mask on your face, um, uh, and don't ask questions. That is one particular approach, and you know, don't go to worship, don't come to the Lord's table, don't baptize, don't lay hands on the sick. That that's one response. That's one response. Uh, it's a it's a formative response. It's a cultural response mm-hmm. to um, a biological, a biotic problem, um, uh, and of course, it's become political. It's become it's become juridical in the sense that now we're dealing with measures and laws and and uh and and acts and so on that are trying to impose this particular cultural reaction this form of dominion on us so that is a form of taking dominion i think we've argued before here that it's a reductionistic one that it's a misguided one that not dying is not obedience to god's command to rule subdue multiply fill the earth uh, and uh, take dominion over all these areas of life. It's a very re- a reductionist response that says, essentially, it reduces living to not dying. And that's unacceptable from, I think, a biblical, uh, a scriptural standpoint. But I think that's a starting point for relating the question of dominion, which is to say, oh, the bureaucrats are taking dominion right now, and they're taking dominion over your church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and many of them would love to take dominion over your family as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would we respond, yeah. by the way, if they tried to do that and said, right, in the family, when you're at home, in your house, except when you're eating meals, you need to wear a mask. Yeah. How would we respond to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Husband and wife, you can't be in the same room. You, can, you need to sleep in separate bedrooms. Yeah one would hope we would say that is a total invasion of the mm. jurisdiction of the family. Mm. And just to say, uh, submit, 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 Romans 13, Romans 13, Romans 13, um, is akin to using Ephesians 5 to tell a wife that she should you know, submit to an abusive spouse. Mm. Um, these are not unqualified. The state yeah. has a juridical qualification as a ministry of public justice. Um, marriage has a moral qualification of love. And that's why provision is made in the Bible for divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we live in a sinful, broken world and the state can be broken and its actions can be radically broken. And so can marriages um, because of the problem of sin. So uh, the, 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 this idea of, of dominion um, needs to be, from, a, from our standpoint, a non-reductionist one. What does it mean to truly live uh, in obedience and and form culture, even in the face of um, a virus, and the, and as you said there, Ryan, there's you know sort of two emerging positions uh, in terms of what dominion looks like in this situation. Well, we got so caught up in our conversation this week that we've decided to break this podcast into two separate episodes, so you can expect part two of this uh, of this conversation next week. And this has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. We hope you will join us again for next week's Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy Every year about this time